Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's not another Buffalo podcast with John. You know, there's no way in hell that I can leave that in, right? <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> I mean, come on. Brandon needed a computer for this podcast, and he said, you know what, Dad? Can I have a computer? Cam needed a computer, and he steals 10 of them. <laughs> steals 10 of them. And Brando. The one I got from 2011, it was probably one that Cam stole originally. That's why it doesn't work now. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys even remember the context of what it was when I had to cut out what Pat said and it never made it into the episode? I do, actually. Yes. Really? That's hilarious. Yeah, it was Ben uh, all right, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. Uh, I'm John. I'm here with Pat and Brando. You can find us on Twitter at Not Buff Podcast. N-A-B-P. Happy to be part of Buffalo Rumblings. But it's draft week, and this is only our second episode really talking about the draft. So apologies that we've been so behind. But there's lots of other podcasts that have you covered in that department and do it much better than us. But we are doing some in-depth draft analysis tonight. I have something that I cooked up today in Google Sheets that I think Cooking is Cooking like a chef... On a, at a five star restaurant is what it is. Like, I want to know the time. Did you? Did you? How long did it take you to do it? Uh, I worked on it for about four hours earlier oh. today, and then just got back and capped it off before we started recording this episode. Nice. It was a lot of data entry, and I wish I could have entered more data. Honestly, because the more that you enter, the more accurate <laughs> it would be in this case. But yo, this is so funny. Sorry to cut you off, John. Because no, no, you're good. Me and Pat are shooting the. Sh- about the the stupid stuff that happens in our lives and John's here, like really crunching these yeah. awesome numbers. But like, if you heard the stories that Pat and I are sharing, it's like, is is this what is our <laughs> our Joe Schoen and Terry Pagula like me and Brandon, and then like Brandon being is just like John and like it, just <laughs> it gets works. Th- it gets done. It, it, it works. works. <laughs> <laughs> it gets done somehow. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I. I I started thinking that I wanted to compile some data about where players were taken in mock drafts to kind of predict how the board will fall in a data-driven way, because I think that a lot of people will tell you that this first round is so scattered. Like nobody knows what the top 10 is going to look like exactly. It, it's People have less certainty even than, than years past. So I compiled some data from a couple of the more famous mock drafters, as well as some draft simulators and kind of put it all in a spreadsheet. Like I said, originally my goal was to figure out, okay, when were, when were these players drafted on average? And so I basically pulled two numbers from this. So anyway, I'll, uh, I'll post this on the Twitter if you want to look at this and uh, bask in all its glory. But I took about 17 prospects that have been linked to the Bills 
probably the most talked about names. Now I organize them according to position. And then basically I listed out 11 different mock drafts. So using that, I entered what position each of these players was taken at. Basically, I calculated for each player what their median draft position was in all of these drafts. So median was a better choice than average in this case because it obviously disregards outliers. And then the second number I took from this was what percentage of the time were they available at pick 25? Um, which is important for the Bills because you can't pick a player if they're not available. So I wanted to see out of all these prospects we're talking about, how often are they actually available at pick 25 where the Bills will be picking, presumably on, on Thursday night, barring trades. I basically wanted to rank these players based on the likelihood that they're drafted by the Bills um, without any you know, interpretation on my part or how good of a prospect they are, any of that stuff, taking all of that out of it. I mean, there is some of that going into it because we're not including players on the spreadsheet that haven't been linked to the Bills in some way, shape, or form, or obviously are... There's a lot of people that are not on the spreadsheet that are projected to go in the top 10 that the chances of them falling to the bills are essentially zero. So those outliers I left out. And obviously people who have late second round projected grades, I also left off. But anyway, so combining those two numbers and I had to do some converting to basically get the numbers to go the right way without getting too nerdy on this, I combined the median draft position with the percentage available at 25 to come up with a number that basically shows how likely that player is to be drafted by the Bills. Now, the way that you are more likely to be drafted by the Bills is if you have a very high median draft position, but also the highest percentage available at 25. So anyway, that came out to a list and I was really surprised by the results of this. And this is Honestly, just like a fun little exercise, so don't take this too seriously. Um, but the most likely to be drafted is cornerback Kyer Elam at a, I mean, this is an arbitrary value, but 0.94. His median draft position is 30, but he is, and maybe I should have weighted this a little bit, but he in all of these mock drafts, he is available at pick 25. But anyway, I'll just read down this list from most likely to least likely. I'm curious about this. This is an interesting concept. So Kyer Elam, and again, I'm so sorry if I'm murdering pronunciations here. I know I am. Uh, he's number one. Daxton Hill is the next most likely. Kenyon Green, Boye Mafe, Kyler Gordon, Andrew Booth, which is a popular choice among a lot of people who have uh, done mock drafts for the Bills. Jahan Dotson, uh, Zion Johnson, Devontae Wyatt, Kyle Hamilton, Trent McDuffie, Traylon Burks, uh, Brees Hall, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, and Tariq Woolen is the lowest. Tariq Woolen um, had an interesting formula because he, let's see, let me look at his column. I believe he wasn't, he was available in 100% um, of these mock drafts at pick 25, but had a very low median draft position. Yeah, um, that's a... That's interesting though, man. I'm looking at the PFF um, draft simulator right now, and like they have Trent McDuffie going at 10 or 11 in two of the uh, of the drafts I saw. So fingers crossed, one of these good defensive right. backs falls to yes. us. Let's let's look at Trent McDuffie. Um, let's see. So he actually he has 
his value is skewed because his median draft position is so high. Um, but he was in one of these mock drafts, he fell to the bills at pick 25. So in 10 out of 11 mock drafts, he was not available at pick 25. He was picked as high as eighth and as low as 23rd disregarding the the bills pick there. But yeah, so very low chance. 9% of those mock drafts had him making it to the bills pick. Um, but obviously a median draft position of 14, which, uh, really upped his, up to his rank in that sense. Some other outliers that I thought were interesting. Andrew Booth was very, he had a, he had a median draft position of 23, which is right ahead of where the bills pick, but he was available 63% of the time in these mock drafts. And two of these mock drafts actually have the bills taking him at pick 25, both uh, Mel Kuyper and McShay. Um, in the, mix. Combined. the mix are in lockstep for once. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I wonder if there's anything else. Uh, obviously, um, people like Chris Olave and Jameson Williams were not available in any of these drafts by the time. Do the you get an picked. average average draft position for those two in your data? Jameson Williams is at 15. It's his median really? draft position and Chris Olave is right behind him at 16. Really? So, yeah. Um, let's see. Chris Olave is drafted as high as 11 in this and as low as 19 or I'm sorry, 22. So he actually has a pretty consistent, um, um, draft position according to these mock drafts. And Jamison Williams is picked as high as eighth and as low as 21st in this. So interesting thing too, all of these wide receivers, um, that we have listed here, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, and Jamison Williams, None of them fell out of the first round in any of these mock drafts or simulations, which was interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In, in the human, uh, in the human mock drafts, they all stayed within the top 32 in some of the simulations though. Let's see. Jahan Dotson fell to 54 in the pro football network simulation. Um, so really interesting. Once you get past pick 25, I mean, I have a feeling the Bills' second round pick, we're going to be more excited about the value than their first round pick. Brees Hall falls to them in the second round. I think everyone would be happy. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of mocks have, have that happening, but. You know, I just yeah. saw this on Twitter from Bruce Nolan. I liked his tweet. He was like, he compared this to a smoker because, you know, food for thought with him and Nate Geary. Uh, right. He's like, if I spend $10,000 on a smoker and it tastes great, it's great, right? The food's tender. Is that worth it? Yeah. Sure. But if I spend $1,700 on a smoker and it's like almost as tender and like almost as juicy, like 97% comparable, is it worth the $8,300 difference that you paid for the smoker? Well, well, Bruce, I don't think the average American has $10,000 to spend on a cooker. So Uh, (laughs) hypothetical. The cooker is a running back here, buddy. No. Uh, I'm cheap, so I would say yes, but um. <laughs> well, me too. That's that's me also. So I don't want him running back in the first round because yeah. I'd rather take that cash and and do something else with it. Right, cash metaphorically, because it's not just yes. the cap number, but it, it's the value yes. of that asset. Is also, a cap high. number, but it is it is not um, so much as what I was going for. Yeah, but anyway, let's let's transition into what we're going to do next. So. Obviously, we are not second to seventh round gurus here, um, but I feel like we have a pretty good handle on the first round at this point. 
Um, so what we're going to do is we're each going to do a single round mock draft using a simulator from three different websites. So I'm going to use be using the mock draft machine from the draft network. Brandon is going to be using pro football networks and Pat will be using uh, pro football focuses uh, mock draft simulator. So it'll be really interesting uh, to see at least three scenarios that could play out. Obviously, this isn't a huge uh, number, but so I I think this will be fun. Pat, do you want to uh, you got yours pulled up? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just was uh, laughing as I was looking at this because um, I mean, and there's a couple teams here, like, uh, for instance, the the Giants have two first round picks and um, sort of the Texans. And you look at a lot of these teams and like you got, I don't know, the Lions need a quarterback, linebacker, defensive back and the Jets who pretty much need a whole squad. They have listed as wide receiver, linebacker, cornerback. Now, I find it a little bit unfair to you Houston Texans fans that needs under needs. It just says every position. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit of a slap in the face to the uh, current current Texans roster, but, um, <laughs> so I'm looking here at some of these players I have available and, um, there are three of them that I really like. And one that's taken, um, in two different positions, but I would love to number one, if, if Jordan Davis did fall to us at, at 25, like that would be the player I would want us to take. I mean, obviously he's like a, a freak of nature. Um, you know, he played on a national championship team. So looking again at that national championship, Georgia team, I think Lewis, is it sign Lewis sign Lewis Cine? Anyways, at safety, I mean, obviously this is going to rub Jordan Poyer the wrong way. And this is kind of me being a savage, um, continuing from last episode, but he looks like he would be someone that could play safety, um, you know, right away. And, you know, God forbid Mike R. Jordan goes down earlier in the season. It's, it's, it's someone that could probably maintain that level of play. Again, it's um, not just safety. You can play corner or linebacker. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah he's the, listed as a cornerback on, uh, on uh, the mock draft machine on the, on the draft network. But he did. He took a lot of snaps in the box, took a lot of snaps in the slot. Like he even took some D line snaps. Like, so he's, he's definitely a versatile player, but I'll tell you who my sleeper is right here at this pick. And he might be a little bit of a reach and no knock on those Ohio state receivers. Cause they are good. Um, I mean, if I did have to pick one over the other, I'd probably pick Garrett Wilson over Chris Olave. And I'm sorry, Chris, I did just roast you on the show, but anyways, um, I think Travis Jones is a real sleeper, man. I mean, this guy's six foot four, three twenty five. Like his stats are his stats are pretty nice. So I, I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I really want us to take like a, a larger defensive lineman, but that's that's just me. So I I don't know. Really, <laughs> you want you want another defensive lineman? You want to use another first size, round pick? Size though, size, dude. Like I'm just I, I feel like we don't. You know what I mean? With Harrison Phillips leaving, who do we what have? About, in that? Uh, what about Jordan Phillips coming in? True, true, true. I guess I did not consider. Um, he, he does have that size factor. Um, but I just, I don't know how I feel about the whole wide receiver position either taking uh, a wide out in the first round. Really? I mean, especially like Jameson Williams, like he's good and he looked good working out, but like the last time I saw the guy play, like he destroyed his knee or was it his ankle? I, I don't know, but he got hurt, um, in the last game he played. So yeah, he's someone who I don't, I don't think that he's going to be in play when the bills pick his, uh, his average, we already talked about this, but his median draft position is, is 15 and he was, uh, available for the bills in zero of those, uh, mock drafts that I mentioned. But anyway, so Pat, who's, uh, who's your pick? I'd like to see, I'd like to see Lewis scene. Um, 
It's not an I like. You're the GM. You got the yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. Lewisine, give me give me young safety, young buck, fresh off a national championship, average draft position, 31.9. So he's a little bit of a reach, but I'd rather that than an offensive lineman or like the sky more out of Western Michigan. Um, so, yeah. All right. What about you, Brando? All right. I have mine pulled up here. And on uh, PFF, they do, you have trade offers that they send you that are hypotheticals to... Uh, you know, spice it up a little. So the first one that I had was from Seattle and it was for pick 25. They got pick 70 and like pick 140. So they drop a lot. And I declined that, obviously, because Pete Carroll's drinking some funny juice over there. Um, but the second one that I got, I have it on my screen here because I think I have to accept it based on what it is here. So it's pick 25 from the Bills and the Panthers are moving back into the first round. They're giving up pick 137 this year, which is what that probably fourth or fifth round pick. Um, it doesn't say what round, but then next year, 2023, a Carolina first and a Carolina second. So they're offering a first and second in next year and the Panthers suck. So that could be a, a high pick again, fourth round pick this year, first round pick next year and second round pick next year for this year's bills. 25th pick overall. And I feel like that's like a, a you well, have to who's take on that. who's on the board still? Uh Kenny Pickett, Devin Lloyd, Trent McDuffie, Kenyon Green, uh Nicobe Dean, Sam Howell, Lewis Crane, Peron, Winfrey are the highest rated players left. Oh man, dude. Uh, if it was me, if Trent McDuffie fell, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I'd have to scoop him up. But do it, do what you want to do. Even for next year's first and second round pick when we list your pick in the description of the episode or anything like that, it's going to say traded back into a second round that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I just, I feel like, you know, you see teams do it all over the place, whether it's the NBA, NHL, these bad teams make stupid moves like this and they trade their next year's first round pick because they're cocky and then it blows up in their face and you get somebody like, a powerhouse team bills who could be coming off of a Super Bowl picking in the top 10 of next year's draft, which is loaded compared to this year's draft. So I, you know what? I'm going to decline it because there's no way this would even happen. I don't think the Panthers would make this trade because I think it's too one-sided. So I'm going to reject it and I'm going to draft Trent McDuffie because McDuffie's an awesome last name. Um, was Andrew Booth available in years, Brandon, or was he no, taking he's already? Not, he's not available here. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. in that in that simulation, Booth was taken before McDuffie. I'll tell you when it, when he was taken. Most times, uh, yeah, most Andrew drafts before Booth was taken yep. before he was taken twenty two to Green Bay. Um, some other highlights in this, uh, which is super interesting: Jamison Williams to ten to New York Jets. Um, first overall pick was Evan Neal, the offensive tackle. Malik Willis went two to Detroit, which I would be pissed if they do that. Um, Kyle Hamilton went fourth to the Jets. Garrett Wilson goes 11 to Washington. Jordan Davis, 14 to the Ravens. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Trent McDuffie because I think he's what the what the Bean and McDermott homies could uh, use. So For sure. All right, so I'm looking at my board and the way that it's fallen. Uh, the last... Chris Olave made it to 23. Uh, Trent McDuffie was taken at 21 by the Patriots. Um, Kyle Hamilton lasted till pick 18 with the Eagles. 
Um, Jameson Williams was 16. Zion Johnson picked 11th in this one. Interesting. Garrett Wilson went eight overall uh, ahead of uh, Olave in this one as well. Interesting. But also uh, Malik Willis, second overall to the Lions. That would be notable. And uh, Ahmad Gardner. That's a little bit of a reach. It is, but that's what we're rooting for as Bills fans. Yeah, but not for the Lions. Give me, yeah. No. <laughs> so anyway, here's who was available. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. is the first name that pops out. Um, obviously would be a great pick there. Jahan Dotson, uh, he's available in most mock drafts at this point. Uh, let's see, Brees Hall, obviously still available at this point. Um, Kenneth Walker, another running back. Um, not quite on the level of Brees Hall in this instance. Um, Traylon Burks. And Kyar Elam also available as well as Kenyon Green, uh, interior offensive line. Um, but I'm going to go with the safe pick here. I I'm going with Andrew Booth. I've been on the fence about whether the bills are going to use another first round pick on a corner because historically other than Trey white, it's a position that they have not put a priority on. They have not used no, oh, come on, Stefan, Stefan Gilmore and Leotis McAlvin were both first round picks. Not this uh, regime. I'm, I'm, we're talking about this regime. Okay. That, that was, that was outside of their regime. And even Trey white wasn't a Brandon Bean pick. He was a Sean McDermott yeah. pick. So this as a position that has never been prioritized, they haven't taken a cornerback in the top three rounds. I'm pretty sure all the cornerbacks that they've taken have been late round picks. They obviously have brought in veterans for the league minimum. So I, I wonder if it's a position in general that in their scheme that they don't feel like they need to use a premium asset for. But in my head, I'm like, can you imagine how much more the Bills number one defense could be elevated if you had a very athletic cornerback too, who could allow you to play man or zone whenever you wanted to. I mean, you talk about how, what a great shell you have with, you know, the safeties and when Trey white is healthy, imagine putting somebody opposite of that, that is on that level. And is not just talked about as someone who needs to just be passable for that secondary to be elite. I mean, I think that an Andrew Booth, a Trent McDuffie, any of these players could really, really elevate that secondary using my own value chart in my head. I think that, cornerback you get a little bit more value at that position in the first round in this draft and wide receiver if you want to go that route and give josh another weapon for the future at a cost controlled rate i think second or third round for that there's less of a talent drop off whereas cornerback there's a little bit more steep of a drop off after a couple of those top guys fall off the board so that's my thought there um i don't know if you guys want to give your pleas to brandon bean i have one more thought on this but i kind of want to save it for the end because it might be a little bit disconnected from what I was just saying. But right, Brandon, right. what do you Brandon, what do you want? Actually, Pat, if you want to go first, what do you want Brandon Bean to do on draft day? Well, I just want to give a shout out um to some local boys because we don't do it enough. And um in light of KJ Osborne really having a breakout year um this past season, um the former University of Buffalo grade, I think that it is important that we do recognize that Josh Pascal is rated um defensive end from the University of Buffalo is rated number forty four on the PFF big board. So props to you, Josh, and um the entire UB Bulls football team. So I just want to throw that out there. Number one. Number two, my elevator speech to Brandon Bean would be dog. I know you're not going to draft this guy at all. And I know that like Josh Allen has monster hands, but 
how the F could you be a projected second or third round quarterback when you threw more touchdowns at Pittsburgh than Dan Marino? Kenny Pickett, why is this man so low on the board, Brandon? I just would like to know, even though we're not going to draft him, I'm just curious, dog, like what the deal is with this kid. Cause I watched like a bunch of highlights on him and stuff. And like, I don't know if the hands really could be that much of a deal breaker. I just, um, that was he's, the one thing I've, he's going to get taken <laughs> in the top 20. Somebody's going to reach if, if uh, it's, he's not his, his average draft position right now. Is not good, dude. It's like, I want to say like 45. Yeah, it's he's ranked number 42. Yeah, so. it's just, it, again, it's it's just the quarterback position will get him drafted above his ceiling. I think, I, so, uh, I think this goes back to the uh, testament as old as time. Does the size really matter? And for Kenny Pickett this year, uh, you know, desperation calls in the NFL for him, but... um. For me personally, my quarterback's got big freaking hands, and uh, I'm not going to go back to no small hand Kenny Pickett. Nah, so, uh, I mean, you know, once when you do have hands small Josh, hands and you wear gloves, you throw with gloves on, and you do have small hands. I mean, he's being safe, but like, I also would like to, I'd like to know why <laughs> he's so far down on the board. Part. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just wonder why he's so far. Like, hands don't to me seem like they would be that huge of a deal. I just wonder what they see in the hands thing that like makes them scared of this kid, but. NFL defenders, they don't just hit you to sack you. They go for the ball. So being able to hold on, like Sam Darnold notoriously held the ball with one hand, fumbled obnoxious amounts of times at USC. And they're like, can that be coached out of him? And it was not really coached out of him because he still turns the ball over a lot. Whereas Josh Allen, his fumbles come from him running more. It's not that risky business where he has the one hand on the ball in the pocket he almost always if you ever see him even when he's running he keeps two hands on the ball um unless he's stiff arming somebody but then that's when the hands come in right that's when he takes his claws and is like f you matthew judon my 10 inch hands are better than your eight inch hands so like that two extra inches matters then I guess. <laughs> uh, but i guess it would make i mean i guess it would make a difference i mean i guess if that means he'll fumble one less time during a season like that might be the difference between a win and a loss but yeah. i just found that it's, curious it's just, I mean, you try to find significant me- metrics on these guys. And I think that certain metrics like hand size are ones that are over-focused on because it is a metric that is taken into account at the combine. Yeah, because I mean, Drew Brees had baby hands, dude. Like, Right. You know. I mean, it's... Also I mean, it, throws it's the just, ball in it's just 25 a metric. seconds. People, yeah, people will, people will share their takes based on something like that. And and probably blow out of proportion how much needs to get put into that. But anyway, Brandon, what's your pitch to Brandon Bean? You know, I'm I'm in an elevator with Brandon Bean, right? I'm gonna be like, hey man, tell me about your golf game because I know you golf a lot. Tell us, tell me about your wife. How's the kids? Like, well, what's for dinner? And I'll be like, listen, bro, Ding. You, right, you're a the baller. Is at the floor. Brandon, this is a two minute way. elevator ride. Are you and- riding the Empire State Building? Got you. Got to be quick. Okay. Brandon Bean like, just walked in the elevator. Like, listen, dude, you use your assets to go get somebody because uh, you don't have seven spots for seven players this year. Go get somebody that makes a difference. Get in the top 15. Go get Jameson Williams. Go get Kenny Hamilton. Um, what's his first Kyle name? Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. Kyle. Yeah. yeah. It's like, go get somebody that's going to start. Go get somebody that's going to make a difference on this team. Go get somebody that'll be here in 10 years. And then it could be on the wall of fame. I don't need any of these second, third, fourth round picks. Go get somebody that's going to make a difference and help bring a Super Bowl to this team. See ya. 
tell the wife I said hi. That transitions really well into my pitch for Brandon. Telling Dean. wives you said hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask Brandon Bean to do almost the polar opposite of that, but not quite. So in a different way, I think that this first round is so scattered and hard to project that there are going to be, we look back three years from now, there are going to be a lot of what we call bad picks in this first round. So I am okay with trading back into the top of the second round, acquiring extra picks in the mid to early rounds, not late round picks. I don't want any sixths or sevenths or anything like that. I want this year's second round pick, maybe a team that has two second round picks, possibly maybe a second and a third, maybe this second and next year's second, something like that to trade back into the second round. And then I want to use my sixth and seventh round picks and maybe my fifth to try to move up in those later rounds and maybe get an extra pick in the fourth round or the third round. Because I think that the crux of the like the value in this draft, obviously the best players are going to get picked towards the top, but the value for the picks is really in the middle of this draft where Brandon Bean has shown that he can make really, really good picks based on how the board falls. And there's more variance in how the board falls the later you go into the draft. And so, Brandon, when you talk about you know, you want a player who's going to be around here in 10 years or something like that. You know, is that a, is that a Spencer Brown? Who was the third round pick? Is that a Dawson Knox? Who was the third round pick? I think, or is that a Cody Ford? Who was a second round pick? I'm saying no on that one. I'm saying no on that one. I'm just (laughs) saying that like, I'm not saying it's a total crapshoot. Like, obviously there's a lot of calculations that go into this when you're making picks but you're going to miss every once in a while. And if you have more picks in the middle rounds of this, I feel like those are better darts to throw the dartboard. Not like, not like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks with late round picks and trying to get a six round prospect to start this year, because I don't think that that's realistic. I think that, but if you have more darts to throw at the dartboard, I'd rather throw them in the second, third and fourth round rather than, giving up two or three darts to move up a couple spots in a first round that is very, very crowded and, and clouded rather like in, in who's going to go where and how to assess anybody. Cause it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. See, generally I I'm like not opposed to that at all, but I need a Jamar chase. I need somebody who's going to come in as a rookie and help push these guys now. And the guys drafted in the middle of the rounds don't do that. And that's, I think, you're looking at a Super Bowl roster. This is probably the last year the gang is together. Like you need something. You gotta have it. This is the this is the final tour. The gang is the gang is always slightly different. Yeah, this but this is like the real gang. Like this is homies day one last year. This yeah. was last year was the best chance. Now it's changed a little bit. We still have a good drummer, but like it's not the OG guy. It's not, you know, it's different, but it's not the whole band is not the same. So I think the band the band is slightly better this year. Yeah, say. it's like it's like the Grateful Dead. It's um a reoccurring cast of interchangeable members that just really groove and um, make <laughs> you happy until they all die off, and then you you know what I mean. Well, right but now we that are took like a dark turn. You're like on a world tour, man, and you you need to sell out MSG one more time to get the yeah, Super Bowl before they all croak. And man. I need somebody that's going to make a difference, and I think that I could get that guy, even if it's not. You're right about the darts. I need one dart. I need a bullseye, and I need the bullseye to hit. So I'm going to go big and I'm going to go 
to get somebody that I think will make the high floor thing is never something that I like. Cause I, you know, I'm always the high ceiling guy. I want the best potential to be the best version that you can be. But this year, if you can get somebody with a high floor who has the elite talent in the top 15, then you have to try. I think you have to yeah. try. My, my thing is, I think that there's going to be somebody with that elite talent that you're talking about who is projected as a teens pick that falls to the bills. And it could be a couple of different people. It could be an Olave. It could be a McDuffie. It could be a couple of people, but there's, there's a small chance that each of those falls to the bills. But when you're talking about what are the chances that any of those, any of that sets of player falls to the bills, the chances are pretty high that at least one of those people fall to the bills in this draft where you're probably going to get people overreaching for QBs. You've got people wanting to trade back the demand for trade. I mean, if they're going to trade up, the price could be lower than normal, which I guess is a plus. That's why you do like it this year. That's why you do it this year. Yeah. I really think that's it because next year you have teams already loaded up. The supply and demand for next year is already skewed because of what's happened this year. And I think you can take advantage of that as somebody. It's like when you buy a stock when the market's down. Warren Buffett keeps $7 billion in cash reserves so he can buy a dip on a stock market. And the bills right now are the rich men in the room. They ha- they have the assets to do something like this. And this is when you capitalize on a weird market to go get somebody that can make a difference this year. And yeah. you get to see them grow next year. I understand. I, I do understand that. My, I'm, my last little pushback on that is that if everyone's trying to trade back in the teens, it's be, it's for a reason. Yeah. It's because there's not like that you, much talent. Right. Well, at least it's not that there's not that much talent. It's that the fall off. It's not clear cut and the fall off is much more gradual. So if everyone thinks that the top 20 of the draft next year is going to be a higher premium, then that's actually a little bit of a make the case for trade back and get somebody else's next first round pick, get a bad, get a bad team's next year's first round pick to trade back a couple spots. Like the simulation that came up for me with the Panthers. And that's why it's like, that's a good trade. That's why I'm like, I don't think the Panthers would make that trade because that's like skewed. PFF is not like forecasting that, you know, they're, they're using their own value. And, uh, but you know, if you have seven guys that are elite, that would be a top seven anytime. And then it falls to like, you know, 10 to 20 and then like 25 to 35, right? Like all of those, those tiers. Like I want the first tier. Like I'm going, I'm going first tier. Like I want. Yeah. No, I feel you. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this one. I think we're really excited for the draft this Thursday. We are going to be grinding it out and uh, live recording during the draft and then drop me episode Friday. So that'll be a, uh, recording and uh editing roller coaster for sure but uh we're ready for it we're excited for the draft obviously we can't record podcasts during bill's games so this will be the closest thing we get to uh a live recording or anything like that and, well the von miller trade did happen during one of our podcasts yeah. but um that was quite nice yeah signing oh, rather than not trade yeah. yeah but all right well you guys know where to find us on twitter at not buff podcast send us any of your draft thoughts uh but That's pretty much it for this one. So uh, stay safe and go Bills. Go Bills.